0: Genesis chapter 27, verse, verse 23 and 24. And it said, And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren. It came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water. And so it says they took him and cast him into a pit. How many of you have ever felt like in life, man, man, this is the pits? You know, I'm in the pit of despair, okay? Uh, We've all been there. And some of us more than others seem like we live there, you know. Uh, Seems like I've set my recliner up in there. But, uh, you know, uh, we we all go through those times. And that's what I want to talk to you for just a moment on this morning. I want to talk to you about life in the pit. Life in the pit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day, for your goodness, mercy, and love. We thank you for your presence. God, we ask you to anoint your word as it goes forth to touch the lives and hearts of people here. Help us to speak your word, speak your will, speak your mind, God. Let your spirit, Lord, your spirit speak to the hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, help us to receive from you, and we'll give you the praise. And everyone said, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Hang on, let me fuel up just a second. That's good for 20 minutes. Okay. Ever feel like you're living in the pits? Anybody ever feel that from time to time? uh life in the pits we talk about. There's always a reason we're there. okay? Sometimes, uh, I'm afraid with myself, sometimes it's self-inflicted. Uh, and sometimes it's God preparing us for something greater. That's what we have to watch for because we can feel like we're in the pit, in the pit of despair. We're in a situation. But what we have to realize is sometimes it's because God has something greater that he's preparing us for. You say, well, why do I have to go through that? Well, because maybe there's something in our life that God says, well, you can't use that where I'm taking you. You don't need that. You know, his coat was of many colors was not going to do him any good where he was going. It was not going to do him any good for the leadership that he was going to play and the things he was going to do later in his life. Sometimes it's to bring us to God's will because we fight against God's will. We resist God's will. I don't want to do what he wants me to do. or Maybe I don't want to live for God, and I've fought with this thing for years. Here's one that knows that situation, okay? Joseph was not out of God's will. We find in Genesis chapter 37, verse 5 through 11, and Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. Now, don't think that all people are going to rejoice over your dream that God gives you. Don't think that everybody is always going to get on your bandwagon, and when you tell them, hey, God's told me this, don't think they're going to jump on your bandwagon and, and they're going to, man, we're behind you all the way, because a lot of times that's not going to happen. And we need to realize that going through life, it don't always work that way. Uh, sometimes God gives you a word or a dream or something just to hold on to. Yeah. This is a promise from me, God says. This is something I'm going to do. This is a way I want to use you. And you've got to realize that that's not always to be going around broadcasting. Sometimes God, you know, how many of us ever had something, a secret that you told somebody and then they go blow it? You know, sometimes God whispers in our ear, this is something I have for you. This is just for you. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody to know. This is something I want to do in your life. And we need to realize sometimes we just have to keep that because everybody, I mean, even in the Christian world, I know it's a shocker, but everybody's not going to rejoice over our blessing. It's just not going to happen. It's not real life. And in verse six, it says, "And he said unto them, Here I pray you, this dream which I dreamed. And behold, we were bringing, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheep arose and also stood up, upright. And behold, your sheep stood around about and made obeisance to my sheep. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more." for his dreams and for his words. You know, we, we have to realize they, they wasn't rejoicing, and then he, I'm sorry, but we look at Joseph as a hero of the word, and he was. But they hated him, the Bible says, and they held all kinds of things against him, and he has this dream, and they have all kinds of bad words, and then he's not too smart. He goes back and tells them, well, God, God told me this. How, how you like that? Let me tell you something else God told me. That don't work too good. Sometimes God gives us something just to have us and encourage us and let us know he's wanting to take us to a new place. He's wanting to do something great in our life. That is not something that to be, is to be put on the uh, the six o'clock news. That's something just God between you and God that God says here this is. And if that let me tell you, if that's something that God has given you for that purpose, don't think that everybody's going to rejoice. And we might as well realize that God don't want that, and God maybe sometimes don't expect that. And so when something happens and everybody don't receive it, we can't get angry or shouldn't get angry at them. Or we we shouldn't feel bad towards them. We should have just realized we've stepped out of the will of God and gone out and started telling everybody how great we're going to be or what God wants to do for us, and we're stepping out of the place in which God had an intimacy place with us that he was wanting to share something. And How many of you have had a secret Somebody or you've told somebody and then they go and tell everybody else? Boy, we like that, don't we? Okay, he said to them, here, I pray you, this dream which I had. And he went on to tell that. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him the more, it says. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. <laughs> and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made, made obeisance to me. Notice it didn't stop him from dreaming. Just because everybody doesn't jump on the bandwagon, it didn't stop him from dreaming. He still had a dream. He still had a place he was going. He still knew God had something for him. One thing I like about Martin Luther King, uh, it didn't matter that the fact that they was willing to kill him, it didn't matter the fact that he was going upstream like a salmon swimming upstream. He had a dream he talked about. And that dream he was gonna push right on, right on to his death. But by that time, somebody else had picked up the mantle and somebody else went on with it. You never know what God wants to do. You've just gotta trust God. God, when he gives you a dream, when he speaks a word to you, you've got to hold on to that and allow God to see you through that and take you through that place. Notice whenever these brothers come against him again, he didn't stop dreaming just because it's not accepted or just because maybe you can't tell or just because uh, you know that somebody comes against you because what you you can't stop dreaming you've got to go ahead and hold on to what god's wanting to do if your children are lost or something's happened in your life or in your family and god spoke to you that i'm going to take care of it you just got to keep on dreaming you got to keep on holding on why because god has given you that word he didn't give it to anybody else so don't think everybody else in the world world's going to catch it he gave it to you for a reason because he wants you to hold on to the faith and keep on living for him yes. trusting in him Hallelujah. if it's really from god it won't stop or kill your dream you've got to hold on and wait we've got to realize that don't worry about some, what someone else says and there may be naysayers that say things are coming, but I'm telling you, don't worry about it. If it's God, He'll bring it to pass. If it's God, it don't matter what somebody else says. He's the almighty God. He's the one that can do no matter what somebody else thinks. Uh, He can do what he says in your life and I'm telling you today to hold on to the dream. How many of you here have got a dream or got something that God has spoke to you and you're not seeing it pass yet and you're waiting on that? I'm here to tell you something, hold on to that because that's between you and God. It may not have come to pass but that don't mean it's not going to. It may not have taken place yet but that don't mean it's not going to happen. You hold on to that. You keep on dreaming. I've got a dream of my children. I've got a dream of my grandchildren. I've got a dream of things. And I, I finally come to the place, Brother, Brother Griffith, I made the statement I used to say, I don't want to die until I see my children saved, my grandchildren saved. But, sister, I've come to the place now where, you know, I'm trusting God. You know, I thought it would kill me if I was to die or if one of my children was to die and, you know, something and, and them not be saved. And I want to die with that assurance and knowing, that, you know, that they're living for God, my grandchildren and that. But, you know, I finally came to the place to where, you know what, I feel God's given me the promise and given me that dream, if you will. And I don't care if I die. That's fine because that's going to happen when I'm past, and I'll meet them in another place, in a better place. And so if, if you're if you're thinking in your mind, in your heart, that, that I, I just can't, you know, I just, this is, I, I'm telling you, trust in God. If something happens and we go by the way of God, I'm here to tell you something. You just keep it in the hands of God. You've prayed and you've paid in prayer, down payment and payment after payment. I'm telling you, keep on paying, keep on praying and keep on dreaming because what God has said, if he's told you that, we've got to check out of this world if we need to, check out of this this world knowing that we've got the promise of God and it's going to happen whether I saw it or not. It's going to take place. Amen. Hold on to it. Keep the dream. It went on to say in verse 10, and he told it to his father and his brother and, to his, uh, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, what is this dream that thou's dreams? Shall I and thy brother and thy mother, uh, Thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth. And his brethren envy him. But his father, notice his father observed the saying. There will be those who just stand back and wait and see. You know, okay. You know, okay. We'll see. They may not say that. But spiritual leaders, those who really care for you and your walk, If you got a dream and you share that with them, whether it's being called to a ministry or whatever, and they don't jump right on your bandwagon, that don't mean they don't support you. That don't mean they don't care. That don't mean they don't believe. They're just waiting until God, and they're waiting to see what God does in your life and waiting to see how you respond to God. Spiritual leaders, those who really care for you and your walk, you know, There's going to be those that stand back and just wait. Those who really care for you and just watch your walk. Just because they didn't jump on board or turn you loose. Listen, hear me. Just because they didn't jump on board or turn you loose. Man, go get them, tiger. You know, that doesn't mean they're not behind you. They believe in your dream or have confidence in you. That doesn't mean that at all. That just means maybe they know something more spiritually than you know. It might be hard for you to believe, but maybe they know something spiritually more than you know. Maybe they know there's a development that needs or God wanting to do something more to take you and develop you into a place. So don't give up. Don't be dismayed or don't get bitter because somebody don't jump on your bandwagon when you have a dream and come forward. And the leadership don't jump on your bandwagon. That's free. Maybe they sense or see that God is going to develop you more to go farther, your dream, your ministry, than even you imagined. And you know what? Just like Joseph, he stayed faithful, did he not? And in in a trial, trouble, tribulation, living through a living hell in his time. But he stayed faithful, and he held on, and that's what took him to higher heights, if you will. Everything we do for God and His kingdom is. a Hear me some, on something right here. I want you. I want you to hear me this day. There's usually something I'll say in a message. I'll say, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. Hopefully, you hear a couple other things. But I mean, you know, hey. But if you don't hear anything else, hear this. Everything we do for God and His kingdom is a ministry. This is not the ministry. As a pastor, as a former pastor. I can tell you this is not the ministry, this is not it. I'm telling you this is less than 10% of the ministry. But that's all you see and that's all people want to see and that's where people want to go. But what we fail to realize, everything we do for God and His kingdom is a ministry. The Old Testament priesthood, okay, okay, Now, we think of the Old Testament priesthood as what? We think of the Old Testament priesthood as just those, the ministry, as just those that are doing that part, going into the inner court and doing all that kind of stuff. No, 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 here. What about tearing down the tabernacle? Were they a part of the priesthood? Were they a part of the tribe that that took a part of that group that that was their job? Tearing down the tabernacle. Okay. Yes, it was, very much so. What about cleaning up? Can you imagine cleaning up that mess after the sacrifices and everything? You know, you talk about having a, you know, the, the pastor of this day has a tough time. I know I've been there, done that. But I can't imagine what it would be like to be the priest of that time. The stench and the everything else going on. Tearing down of the tabernacle, cleaning up the tabernacle, preparing the tabernacle for worship. Yeah. We begin to think that the only part of ministry is right here. This is not, this is a very, very minute part of the of the ministry. And see, cleaning up and doing all this and preparation and the food in there and, and helping in the outreach ministries. See, our, I'll, uh, I'll move on. Uh, in the New Testament, anything we do for God in the house of worship is a ministry. Sometime, even with the promise of confirmation, we're living in the pits. You know, Joseph was living in the pit. I mean, it was the pits. That's all there was to it. But you know what brought, um, let me say this, what brought jo- Joseph from the place where he was at was because when he was in the pit, he kept the right spirit. Right. Right. And he wasn't just in the pit once. He was in the pit, graduated, in the pit, graduated, you know. And so just because things don't, you know, you think, man, I'm on my way and something happens and knocks the props out Monday, that don't mean that's the end of it. God's still working. Okay. In John chapter 1, verse 32, you know, again, sometimes even with the promise and confirmation, we're living in the pits. In John chapter 1, verse 32 and 33, it said, And John bare record, saying, I saw, John the Baptist, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, talking about Christ. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, that was God, talking about God, the same said unto me, God said to him, unto whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. So he's saying, the one that you see, the the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and and you see this, and you're there, that's the one you're looking for. That's the one you're waiting for. And so we find then, um, we find then in that case, John, we look in the the Word, we find where John saw that dove descending. Did we not? We saw that. I'm, I'm missing some Scripture here. Okay, and so we we find and he and knew him not, but he that sent that, that sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me, unto whom thou shalt see the spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. Okay, so he's saying that's the one you're looking for. You don't have to look no farther. And John did what? He baptized Jesus, did he not? And he saw the Spirit descend on him like a dove, did he not? Everything that God told John the Baptist, he saw and he witnessed right there. But let me take you on, if you will, to Matthew. Let's look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 2 and 3. Now, here John's in the prison, okay? Now, when John had heard in prison, he's in prison, the works of Christ He sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? John forgot in the pit and the despair the dream, the word God had given him before. When he was in the middle of that pit, even though he saw the dove, He saw the Spirit descend, and God had told him the one which happens and then turns around, and he sees that he baptizes the very one, and yet John turns around later when he's in the pit of despair, and he starts to question. He tells his guys, go and ask him if he's the one. I preached a message here once, one time years before, back over in the Red Room when I was pastoring and down here visiting with Brother and Sister Irvin. I preached a message on forgetting in the darkness what you saw in the light forgetting in the darkness what you saw in the light. You see, we can see some things that God shows us, just like John. He saw everything. He knew exactly who he was. But in the darkness of the pit, in the darkness of his trial, he began to forget everything that God God Almighty had told him, everything that God Almighty had confirmed to him, not just told him, but he confirmed to him. But when he got in the pit of despair, it began to say, Oh, woe was me. Is this the one? Go and ask him if he's the one. Hey, you shouldn't have to ask him so we have to realize that in that situation John forgot in the pit and in the despair the dream the word God had given him forgetting in the darkness what we saw in the light verse 33 talks about when in the pit of despair it's easy to forget even what God has shown you confirmed to, and confirmed to you, maybe even shown you directly what others have never seen, and maybe even brought to fruition a part of it, just like he did there. He brought to fruition a part of it. He saw Jesus, he saw the dove descend, he saw the spirit descend. He baptized himself. He didn't see the resurrection, he didn't see all that. You may not see every part of the picture. You may not see every piece of the puzzle, and the picture before the puzzle's put together, but you've got to trust in God. You've got to believe in God. You've got to know that God's going to bring to fruition what he's told you that he will do. You've got to begin to really, because John forgot in his darkness what he had seen in the light. Even as great as it was, what blows me away? You know, how many of us are like, well, like, well not like me hopefully, but how many of us get to thinking, how in the world could somebody forget that? You know, when God speaks to him and says, now the one who you see the Spirit descend like a dove, he's the one. You don't have to look no farther. And then John baptizes him and sees this happen. And so what you have got to realize and hold on to is in your pit of despair when you don't see the answer and you don't see the things coming. And when you're in that prison, that dungeon, that pit of darkness, you've got to realize that it's not over you got to hold on to it. God's not done yet, okay? Life in the pit, sometimes we go through those, just like Joseph. Joseph went through it in cycles. You know, we look for, okay, I've come out of the pit now, I'm ready to go, ready to move into the kingdom and serve the king. No, 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 not yet. God said, I want to check your spirit again, make sure you're right for that situation, and so he goes back to the pit again so that Joseph has to prove his, his spirit is right for exactly what God wants to do. A different kind of pit, a different scenario is very simply fleeing from God's will. And I'm, I'm you know, we just flew in a plane recently and, and, you know, before that plane lands, it flies around a few times. Well, I'm flying around. I'm getting ready to land. We're getting ready to come in for a landing but i'll get clearance i'll get clearance from the from the house before i okay okay a prime example a different kind of pit living life in the pit a different scenario fleeing from god's will a prime example is jonah you see, now the word of the Lord came into Jonah. It says in Jonah chapter 1, now the Lord goes on to say later in the verse, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Am- Am- Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah did what? He rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He was fleeing from God's will. God said, I want you to go this way. And Jonah And I can relate with that. God told me when I was 12 years old, or when I was 10, 11 years old, I called to preach. I preached my first message, you've heard me say many times, in the Red Room at 12 years old on a youth service night, Saturday night. But I didn't want to preach. This ain't my game, and I'm out of here, okay? And so we know what that situation was. He, he was fleeing from God's will. He said, no, no, he hated the people of Nineveh. They were a wicked, they were, you know, they were a sinful people and all that. You know, we can get begin to look at the world like that today if we're not careful. We get a wrong spirit and a wrong attitude because we see, man, we see things, especially some of us old dogs, we see things that we haven't seen in our life and we don't like what we see. And we see, you know, you see, I, well, I'm just speaking for me, okay? I see somebody, you know, I, I saw somebody the other day, sister, that had, Tat, I mean not tat had, had piercings all over them. All over them. They, they they had so many piercings they looked like they'd fell in an open tackle box face first. And you know our natural tendency But you know what? Really they're seeking and searching for something and we got something that we ought to share with them. Not necessarily go over and beat them the head with our Bible and tell them all about what they're doing wrong. No, no, no. They need to see the love of God through us, in us. We're seeing things today with people with markings all over their body, face, everything else, you name it. We're seeing stuff today with the dress and all of this kind of stuff that we've never seen. Mankind has never seen before. But you see, there's got to be something in us that doesn't rise up like we're so much great, or we're so great and so much greater. There's got to be something of the love of Jesus Christ because He still loves them. He still died for them. He still wants to save them. And I'm preaching to myself right now as much as I'm preaching to anybody here. And my wife knows that because I'm an old dog. And when some of this stuff, I see some of this stuff, the hair on the back of my neck rises up. But you know what I've got to do? I've got to start shaving my neck. I've got to start changing because we live in a different world and God loves the world we live in just as much as he did those before. Woo! I'm going to go to the altar. I'm preaching to myself. But you have to realize what Jonah was doing here, he's out of the will of God. See, he's running. Well, God said, I want you to go this way. Jonah said, "Uh uh-uh. Man, I hate them people. They're no good. They're this, they're that. I'm going the other way. And so he finds himself in a different kind of pit, okay? In 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Some men count slackness. But it's long suffering to us for not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm glad of that because otherwise I'd have been gone a long time ago, okay? Uh, We have to realize something. I, I need to back up a little bit. Again, Jonah was out of the will of God. Why was he out of the will of God? He was living in a pit, okay? Different kind of pit. He was in the belly of a whale, all right? But if you don't call that a pit, I don't know what you call it. Down there with the stinking seaweed and no t- rotten fish and nobody, no, no telling what else, okay? So he's there in that for three days. Why? Because he's running from the will of God. And so, you know, it, it tells us there that but Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He thought he was going to get get away from the will of God. I did too when I was younger. I found that it don't happen the hard way. So you know what God's greatest will is for you? You know, some people say, well, God's will is for me to do this or God's will is for me to do that. You know what God's greatest will is for you? God's greatest will. Look at your neighbor. We have to realize God's greatest will is for you to be saved, for us to be saved. You know, Ephesians, you know, Ephesians 1 and 5 says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of who? His will. Now, let's, have, let's, let's examine something here. Talking predestinated, I don't believe in predestination. You know, some people say, well, you're either, you're either born, you're going to be lost. It's all predestined. No, 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 that's nonsense. You are, you are predestined because it is the will of God that you be saved. But you are a creature of choice once you take your breath, once you grow past mommy and daddy and all of that kind of stuff. You're a creature of choice. So if I decide I'm going, to, God says like he did with Jonah, I want you to go to, 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 to Tarsus. And he says, I'm out of here. Or Nineveh. And he says, uh-uh, I'm out of here. Man, those are lousy, rotten people. I ain't going. I'm going to, I'm going to another place. And so he finds himself in the pit. But you see what, where people find themselves a pit, and I'm, I'm going to be closing in just a minute. I'm making my last approach the landing strip. But where a lot of people fail to realize, yeah, we, we, we can't go against God's will. Oh, we can. He'll let us, but, boy, we're going to live in the pit before it's over. It says in Ephesians 1 and 5, again, having predestined us unto the adoption of of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure and His will. Second Peter three nine tells us the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward. In other words, He's waiting on us to get our head straight, to get our head out of the clouds, to start realizing, you know, what's really important and what really is. And so he goes on to say, "Not willing that what any, not willing that any should perish, but that how many all should come to repentance." That is the will of God. And so you got to realize sometimes, and I had to realize it the hard way, we might be living. You might be living in the pit because you're running from God. You're running from the will of God. You're trying to live in the things of the world when God wants you to live and live according to him. It's not His will that you perish. or we might be living. I was living out of the will of God because of running from him when he'd called me to preach. There's different reasons we live out of the will of God, but we got to realize, just like with Jonah, if we're running from the will of God, we're, His will is forever, man to be saved. If we're running from the will of God or he spoke to you and you're a Christian and you're going the opposite way of what God's trying to pull, if that's happening in your life, you're running from the will of God and you will be in the pit. Jonah was in the pit. I got in the pit. You know, I ended up, the doctor said, you got cancer, sent me to St. Louis to have surgery. And and, and everything had to happen to me before I finally came to my senses and, and started living for God, okay? And God knows how to do it. And if I was going to be stubborn in one way, God said, well, you think that was something? Watch this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, let me give you a news flash. When you're fighting God, you're fighting a losing battle. All right? So anyway, the first will of God in your life from birth is for you to be saved. Jonah got his life in a pit running from God, God's will. How about you? How about us? And this is my first landing, my first close. Something to think about. Jonah's pit was self-inflicted. How many, of those, how many has ever been there before? Looking around going, how in the world did I get here? And then you start looking around and you find out how you got there. I, I dug my own pit. I put myself here. So Jonah's pit was self-inflicted, running from the will of God. I'm talking to someone this morning running from the will of God and God's will in 2 Peter 3.9. It's not his will that any to perish, but that all come to repentance. Jonah's pit was different. A fish or a whale swallowed him. You know, that's a different kind of pit we're talking about here. I can't even imagine that. A whale swallowed him. We just came from a nine-day. We spent nine days on a cruise. We won't talk about that. It wasn't real good. But we spent nine days on a cruise and uh, kind of, you know, our 53rd anniversary is coming up. And uh, so we just, we went on a cruise and, and all of this kind of stuff. And we were sailing and I'm watching this monitor, this TV and on the ship. And uh, it's showing the ship, you know, where we're at, exact location, the longitude, latitude, you know, all this stuff. And, and it's telling everything from the time there, the temperature, and it's showing on the ocean where the ship is at right then and, and all this kind. of Really kind of interesting, you know. And so we're sailing along there, and we're in our room, and I'm watching this. And, and uh, so, well, sometimes I realize when I looked, I looked at this, it told the depth. And it said you're sailing at 6,000 feet. Deep. Well, I don't know about you, but I kind of thinking, man, I can't tread water long and I sure can't touch the bottom. <laughs> okay? That's 19,000. That was, or excuse me, that was 6,000 meters. I'm sorry. That's, that's 19,685 feet. That's three and three quarter mile deep. That's pretty deep. I'm coming to a, to a point here. At that depth, at that very depth, there is 8,500 pounds per square inch on your body. 8,500 pounds of pressure per square inch. Okay, look at your hand or arm and think of a little one of them checkers. You know, like a checker game. Now, on that right there, you have got you have got 8,500 pounds per square inch. Every square inch of your body. There's 8,500 pounds of pressure put on it, okay? We're here sitting here right now. You don't feel it or feel like it. I wish I could, I could eliminate that because I could lose some weight. But we are at 14 pounds, 7 ounces right now per square inch where we're at, okay, right here. Now, if I could get rid of that 14 pound, 14 and 3 quarter pound, I'd love it, you know. Take that pressure off me. But the deepest place in the ocean is the Mariana Trench. It measures 35,000, almost 36,000 feet. That's six and three-quarter miles. That's, how, that's six and three-quarter mile deep. It has 16,000 pounds per square inch of pressure on it. I'm coming to a point here, okay? 16,000. That's six and three-quarters a mile deep. Jonah ran from the will of God. His pit was different. It was a fish, a whale. But it ran deep. We don't know how deep that thing went, okay? Not on the surface. And I want to tell you something, the reason I brought all this around. The more you run from God, see, the deeper that fish went. And the deeper it ran, the greater the pressure. And the more you fight the will of God, and I'm doing it my way, you can sing that old song, I'm doing it my way. The more the pressures of life and the pressures come against you, and the more trials and the more things and the more things that can happen in our life. We've got to realize that a lot of the pressures maybe in our life, maybe even as a, as a child of God sitting here, maybe some of the pressures in our life, I don't know about you, but I've found a lot of times that they're self-inflicted. And so it's not we have to realize this is how some people are. Let's stand, please. This is how some people are, like Jonah, running from the will of God. Like Jonah, the deeper it went, the more pressure is applied. The harder we run and the deeper we go into our choice of life, sometimes the more pressure that's applied. And we begin to think, why is this all coming against me? Why is this happening to me? Maybe we need to look around. Maybe I'm not doing exactly what I need to be doing. Maybe I haven't yielded yet to God in the way I should to allow Him to take me to a new height that He has. Get me out of this pit and take me to a new height. Okay? Remember what the will of God is for your life. 2 Peter 3, 9, Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why not surrender your will to His Feel the relief of the pressure you've been under fighting for so long. Why not begin to yield to the feel like giving up? Don't give up. Give in. Step out this morning to the will of God. Let Him relieve the pressure that you've been fighting for so long. Maybe you're here like jo- like Joseph with a dream in the pit Don't give up. Like John the Baptist, don't forget in your darkness and your despair what you saw in the light of God's promise. Come and claim it today. This is to renew your faith in his promise. We surrender our will to God. Get out of the pressure of the despair. The deeper you go, the longer it lasts, the greater the pressure. I'm asking if there's some this morning that would come. Maybe you just need to begin to ask God, Lord, where am I at? What do I need to do? How can I change? What would you have different from my life? Maybe somebody here might be out of the will of God. It's not will, God's will that any perish, but they all come to repentance. Maybe there's some here today or someone here today that needs to say, okay, God, I surrender all. We used to sing that song, I surrender all. Maybe we finally just need to surrender everything to him and just allow him to work in our life and allow him to work in your life and do something to take you to a new place that he wants to take you.